So I was trying to think of a clever thing to say to open this because you know how traditionally in a fantasy type production, there's these mighty heroes, sometimes unlikely heroes who find unexpected powers and abilities. Um, But then there's this bunch. So we are running the monster of the week system for an actual play podcast set in the Missouri Ozarks. And we have four monster hunters, not from the Missouri Ozarks, um, who have been brought in to deal with the Ozark matter. And for this summary episode, how about you all just introduce yourselves and we'll, I'll, let's start with John Erickson since you are at 12 o'clock on my screen. All right. I'm John Erickson. I'm a professional monster hunter uh, with the MIA or Monster Hunter Intelligence Agency. I'm from up north in Minnesota. Uh, Great shot, not a great muscle man. And then Gwyneth. All right, I play Gwyneth, and you know she's a member of this uh, ancient sect. It's been around for thousands of years. It's super top secret. No one outside of the sect is allowed to know its name. Um, and so, yes, yeah, she's been tasked with fighting the monsters down in the Ozarks and trying to convert John Erickson to a member of the sect. And Avis. Um, Yeah, I'm Avis Osborne. I'm not officially associated with any of these groups, but I'm sort of off the books, a consultant uh, for Agent Erickson. Um, I have unusual sort of spooky supernatural powers. Um, a knack for a certain amount of spell casting and a talent for getting into trouble of various varieties. Um, my own powers seem to be growing as we continue to fight things in the Ozarks in a way that may be dangerous. And Aaron? Hi, I'm Alan Allenson, and I put Avis's talent for getting into trouble to shame by having much, much <laughs> worse track record on it. I have no powers, <laughs> no desire to be here, and no strong personal links to any of the other hunters. I was in, Which is a recipe for success. Yeah. I was <laughs> successful at traveling around the UK, selling things, entertaining people, intriguing people with all the magical powers I definitely possess on stage. Tried to bring my sh- show over to the UK, and everything just went very, very badly wrong. And <laughs> I'm traveling with this group until I can find a way out. And a way out from the demon that now owns your soul. Yes. And the sect that now think they own my soul because they stopped the demon eating it. (laughs) And I'm John. I am the the keeper, as it's called in the Monster of the Week system that we're running. Um, I am responsible for creating the environment and uh, running the game, but because this is collaborative storytelling, a lot of the heavy lifting for the narrative is actually provided by our players. And the setting I've created is Rails in Missouri, which is a town, a fictitious town in the Missouri Ozarks, although any listeners in the Ozarks may recognize a few uh, places that actually really exist. 
um, you know, places where you have momos and things like that running around. So let's talk about the broad brush of what happened in season well, one. What do you need to know? I was going to... I think... Can I suggest it? We go person by person and describe our individual character arcs in season one? Absolutely. Okay. That might give a better sort of overview of everything. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Matt, do you want to go first? Sure, so it's done. Yeah. So we first meet Aaron at the hands of Gwyneth's cult, where he's been handed over to Gwyneth based on some previous crimes he'd committed against the cult. They now had the impression that he owned him. They owned him. And for the first couple of adventures, Aaron was very much willing to try and hang back, not get into trouble, not get shot by Gwyneth for the cult stuff, not get killed by the monster, balancing it out. And at about the second mystery of the Momos, Aaron ended up running off into the woods for safety and coming back heroically at the last second to <laughs> drive the cult back. And it would be the first time that Aaron's had actually been the hero in the story for once. So that was wild for him. <laughs> he then carried on. And the Halloween episode was really the Aaron Epson episode where they discovered a spooky mansion that was opening up nearby that may or may not have contained a mild gate to hell in the bottom of it, where it is revealed... A mild gate, mild gate, to, mild hell. gate to hell. <laughs> where it was revealed that the demon who Aronson had lost his soul to in a game of cards, the same night he also pissed off the cult, knew that Aronson... It was a good night. Had. It was a good night. Shame Aronson <laughs> can't remember most of it. Yeah. So they end up having the gang fight Cordelius Pennybright in the basement of a spooky evil mansion, drive him back, and then everybody knows Aronson's secrets at this point. <laughs> but you become the hero of Rails End. I do. I do. Aronson does acquire a fan during the adventure of this, which continues to be <laughs> and... a personal highlight of his. <laughs> and, and as we talk about Aaron's development, at least up through Halloween, I think that the Halloween episode really revealed something about Gwyneth and her enthusiasm for bleeding out in the center of a pentagram. <laughs> yeah. So to get Gwyneth up to the point where she was almost bleeding out to death on a, in the center of a pentagram, that was a gateway to hell. Um, Gwyneth uh, was put in charge of Aaron Aronson and was also tasked with converting John Erickson into joining her sect. And so they went down and Gwyneth's main theme around all of this, once the Healing Cavern Tabernacle got involved in the Momo adventure, was get the people who want to kill her mad at her so that they're focused and like pointing their guns at her instead of other people so that all of this, like everyone else can be sneaky and Gwyneth is the target. And so she spends a lot of time being shot at, chased after, bleeding out, going to the hospital. Um, and so the highlight of that entire arc really was the bleeding out in the center. Because you turned yourself onto it. Because I was trying to blow out the candles <laughs> that were lit around it trying to stop this demon 
from consuming Aronson like I was supposed to. <laughs> Nothing bad ever happens when you bleed out in a pentagram at a portal to hell. Well, and then I guess we should talk about Agent Erickson and your little adventures down in Rails End. Of course. Uh, so Erickson was a professional uh, monster hunter before all this story was going on. He was hunting down warlocks with his uh, best buddy, Avis, uh, mm-hmm. in his van, old Frigg, the most important character of the story. Um, and he was tasked with infiltrating the cult and making sure that it wasn't a problem while also having to deal with his other odd jobs. So going down into Rails End, his main concern has always been, okay, we need to save all the people, we need to kill the monster, but how do we do this without completely breaking the law all the time? Uh, as the resident lawful good, uh, Erickson also <laughs> often has to deal with the morality of their choices, though after the Momo adventure, to be completely clear, Erickson is the only purely good character in this. The yeah. rest of us are some flavor of it's, neutral uh-huh. evil. <laughs> I'm the big cuddly teddy bear. Um, after, with, <laughs> with the, the sniper, sniper rifle. After the Momo adventure, Erickson kind of started taking a little bit of a dark turn as uh, the cult really started to tick him off and it was making him get into trouble with his uh, organization. So he started requesting some pretty dark things to start happening. Um, <laughs> grenades were bought and lost. And, uh, but after, after like his great success in piloting a plane and saving a bunch of people without breaking the law, he kind of started to simmer back down into his protective agent self. And when you say the cult, there, there's actually two cults involved. One is Gwyneth's cult, and the other is the Healing Cavern Tabernacle. The, the bad cult is the tabernacle. The cult that he doesn't know enough about because he's not really doing that job right now is Gwyneth's cult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, John seems to have gained some kind of favor from some kind of entity, granting him the beginnings of supernatural powers. Uh, that he doesn't understand uh, completely at this point. But, yeah, he's been able to do a small magical trick that's been quite helpful. And Avis, you've been helping John Erickson even before Rails End begins. Yeah, like he said, we were sort of hunting warlocks together and had first encountered each other something like seven months before the beginning of Rails End. Um, by the time Railsman started, they'd pretty much figured out that they work better as a team um, than separately. So when Agent Erickson got assigned to go down to the Ozarks and fight some monsters and attempt to infiltrate this sect, Avis went too, because where else would Avis end up? Um, so wound up in Railsman's and trying to help out in fighting all these various different creatures and the Healing Cavern Tabernacle and all of that. Um, and certainly I have some talents that are helpful in that between magic and just telekinetically beating the hell out of people, and telepathically snooping in people's minds. Um, Avis's talents are well-suited to this. 
but there's also things going on in Rails and that are seemingly reacting to Avis's powers in a uncomfortable way. And when we talk about uh, things in Rails End, uh, at least in summer, we should probably really touch on this Healing Cavern Tabernacle cult a little bit more. Yeah, and that's actually, they, they worship a, a, a magic stone in the caves that has all sorts of strange side effects, including really setting off Avis's powers. And other than the Momo, pretty much every villain in season one is somehow linked to the green minerals. <laughs> Yeah. And the Momos may be linked. We just didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the Momos weren't villains. Can't rule it out. The Wait, Momos that's weren't true. villains. The Healing Cavern Tabernacle was the villain of the yeah. Momo. And they are definitely linked yeah. to uh-huh. the rock. That they worship and love. Yes. And it uh-huh. seems to have healing properties in their hands. They use it in rituals and things like that. Mm. Make a lot of weird healing weird properties, healing. as we will see and, later. Uh, they used it, as it turns out, to keep Reverend Brother from dying after Aaron more or less killed him in the woods while saving uh-huh. Momo. Yep. Which led to some interesting headlines the next day. Yeah. To say the least. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. And so then, in, in terms of sort of as things uh, came to a head, um, for the final conclusion you all had the showdown against the healing cavern tabernacle for sort of the finale of season one yeah um, they were setting up a dusty plan of kidnapping all the animals in the town but it turns out that was just bait to kidnap and richly sacrifice the four of us <laughs> <laughs> so that they could completely properly resurrect reverend brother rather than the botched job they'd done with like giving him a goat's head and stuff yeah they turned their reverend brother who'd been horribly injured into a goat man to keep him alive until they could sacrifice us on the winter solstice and and use that to fuel their spells yeah <laughs> and how'd that go that didn't end up it didn't go well for them it, it ended up not going well for them i think this was the culmination of aronson's uh hero moments, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After Aronson stole a magic whistle that lets him control animals that was used to s- kidnap all the animals in the town. To steal the animals? The healing cap and tap apple ambushes the group and successfully kidnaps Gwyneth, scatters Avis and John into the woods, who then go into hunt for Gwyneth. Well, Aronson summons a- using the local herd of cows to escape and then return back as a glorious charge. And <laughs> having illegally acquired some heavy arsenal, tramples and shoots about 30 cultists in about a minute and a half, completely turns yeah. the tide of the final battle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. A- and while this is happening, like as Aaron is making his triumphant charge, Gwyneth has like managed to free herself, I think with like the help yep. of Erickson, yes. mm-hmm. and immediately started just beating the daylight out of Reverend Brother. Like the weakness, according to I think it was Agnes, was like water. this rock was water. And so we were in this cavern with like a lake in it. And so Quinneth just tackled him into the lake and started punching and wrestling him in there to try to she like kill barbarian. him. For real. <laughs> And so every time Gwyneth got thrown off, Erickson jumped on to help, 
And when he got thrown off, Gwyneth jumped on, and basically together, they pummeled him into submission and mostly drowned him in the lake until he rose again at the end after Aronson massacred everyone else, at which point Gwyneth, lying half dead on the bank, bleeding out and unstable, again, raised her gun, took one shot at his head, and killed him for real. <laughs> Finally. And that's pretty much where season one ended. We, we sort of picked up the pieces and... Picked up our bleeding wounds. Yep. Yeah. Gwyneth went to the hospital our again. unstable party members. <laughs> yep. Gwyneth was once again in the hospital. She averaged nearly one hospitalization per mystery. Um, Erickson, you got to be friends with your uh, agency at least a little bit because you accomplished things. Um, you only burned down woods once. Only once. Avis, you managed to stay under the radar. And Aaron, you became yes. the hero of Rails End. Yeah. At least to some people. At least to some people. Hero of Rails End, mass murderer. <laughs> exactly. Potato, potato. Exactly. Um, a hero but, is someone who mass murders the villains. Exactly. That is one way of looking at it. Um, so that, in a nutshell, is what happened in season one and what you need to know to be able to get up to speed. I'd almost be tempted to sort of add us, talk about our relationships between our characters or something. Absolutely. I think that be, might be a good thing to add into a recap. Sure. Yeah, I, that makes yeah. sense. Like, go, what does Aaron think of John? What does John think of Aaron? Yeah. Like, well, leave us off, Matt. What does Aaron think of John? Oh. And how has it changed? <laughs> ah. So I think when Aaronson first met John, he sort of thought of him as a corrupt law enforcement official willing to work with a cult. And that was his first take on things which meant that he didn't consider him to be particularly helpful. But as the episodes rolled on, I think he realised that John is the only properly good member of the team. And as Aronson's in a lot of trouble, I think he tried to latch on to John as someone who might be able to help him out and get him out of the mess he's in and a glimmer of light that might save him at some point. <laughs> well, Erickson, what do you think of Aaron Aronson? Well... John had known of Aronson before our little group got together uh, as he was popped up on our maybe a warlock hunt list. And after checking him out, we discovered he was kind of an idiot and a con man. So John thought of him as just this fool who, who was way too deep than he should be. And, but after uh, Aronson kind of displays his more heroic traits, he's finding that he is a good person when he tries to be. He just has cowardice tendencies. <laughs> cowardice tendencies. <laughs> well, then what about Gwyneth and Aronson? What's that relationship been like? Rocky. <laughs> Very rocky. Sort of forced together. Um, and then I never really, like, became warmer. Well, and to be clear, they mostly Aaron was saved mm -hmm. from a demon collecting the soul that he was owed from Aaron. Huh. Um, the cult was fighting the demon and saved Aaron from that and in return got, shall we say, pressed into servitude. Yeah. Uh, and then Gwyneth was charged with using him and protecting yeah. him. Aronson considers that the deal he made with Gwyneth's cult was that 
he'd work for them and the demon would never come back again and bother them. The fact that the demon bothered him again, Amundsen considers to be a grave betrayal. <laughs> and a dangerous yeah, one. And so the and rock, a dangerous yeah, one. Yeah, so the rocky relationship came, became rather tense after the uh, Halloween episode when the demon did come back. I, there was a... Even though Gwyneth almost died defending him. You shouldn't have had to defend him because the cult should have stopped that. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Uh, I think well there's then, a tiny voice in the back of Anson's head that maybe considers deconverting Gwyneth to the cult might be a good way out. Mm. He hasn't quite worked out how to land it. We'll look forward to that He's one. He's willing to manipulate <laughs> Gwyneth if it can get him out. <laughs> Well, Avis, you and Aronson, how's that going? Well, I was the person who actually investigated to see whether Aaron Aronson was a warlock when we were doing the whole warlock hunting stick um, and easily realized that he was a fraud and a fake. Um, I, I think in a lot of ways, Avis dislikes what Aaron stands for this whole idea of magic and the supernatural as entertainment. It's been Avis's entire life and mostly bad. So the idea that people use this as just sort of a, a evening's entertainment is, is off-putting. Um, I think over the adventures, Avis has realized Aaron has his uses. He can talk himself out of a situation. He has talents. Um, I, I don't think Avis always agrees with Aaron's decision-making, but understands that sometimes he makes the right call and saves our collective asses when things go wrong. So it's, it's gone from an active dislike of Aaron and all that he stands for to a begrudging respect, even though he still is Nothing Avis ever wants to be. <laughs> and Aaron? <laughs> I think there's sort of a few parts to what Aaron thinks about Avis. So on the one hand, he's slightly terrified of her freaky mind powers. But on the other hand, she's one of the people in the group who seems to have the least of an agenda going on in the background. And he sort of feels a strange kinship to the other person who seems dragged along in all of this. <laughs> that is most certainly yeah. not reciprocated, but definitely there from Aaron's part. <laughs> he, just, he just wants a friend if he's looking for it anywhere in the group. <laughs> uh, what about Avis and Gwyneth? You two are the most magical duo, although in very different ways. Yeah. They also share the least screen time. Yes, we. Yes. I think the two of them have actively avoided each other for a majority of the season. And well, like, Gwyneth respects Avis. She just isn't fond of her. <laughs> right? Like, there's a, there's a deep respect. And, like, when the going gets tough, Gwyneth is glad that Avis is there. But they're just not friends. Yeah, we are, like, so actively not friends. We are barely colleagues. <laughs> Um, we happen to work in the same space a lot of the time. I, I think Avis has intentionally maintained that distance, mostly because she does not trust her sect at all. Doesn't want to be anywhere near it. Um, and is fairly certain that the one person who's probably going to betray the rest of them is Gwen. 
Um, Avis is Ouch. really certain that the piece of this that could go wrong is Gwyneth. Yeah. Um, and because of that, has not stayed in Gwyneth's house, if it cannot all be helped, has not gotten close to Gwyneth, has not trusted her to do magic. If it requires warding, Avis is doing it. Um, it distrusts Gwyneth deeply. <laughs> well, so then in terms of Avis and Erickson, your relationship, you've both touched on that a little bit here. How has that evolved over the course of season one? I have a feeling our relationship has already gone through its evolution before the time of the podcast. It's yeah, like we have a fairly familial bond at this point. We kind of look out for each other, but every so often, like when things go wrong, there's some conflict of like, hey, why aren't we just leaving? Yeah, and I think that we've seen some of the repercussions of that sort of why are we staying in one place um, situation. They're kind of stuck in this situation, but it's not their typical one. We're much more of nomads Uh than anything, and the fact that we've stayed in the same town for over a year has been slightly off for both of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's put tension and just strain on their partnership, I think, in a way that they probably didn't even expect. Yeah. They were pretty set, and this has been different. Yeah. What about then Erickson and Gwyneth Appleton? I think that's the relationship that has evolved the most. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Uh, John originally did not trust Gwyneth at all. Like, he thought she was an icy, like, mean cult member who was probably going to try to kill them all in their sleep and that's developed from that to (laughs) like a pretty sizable amount of trust even going so far as letting her drive the van which is a big thing which is huge for Erickson Uh, and so I think he trusts her to do her job and he he sees a good person below years of drama and abuse from this cult. Yeah. And Gwyneth, it seems like the only one you trust is Erickson. Oh, absolutely. The only one Gwyneth trusts of this bunch is Erickson. And Erickson is, at this, like at the start, she was not on board with having him around, did not trust him as far as she could throw him would not talk to him about anything of substance at all because he was a member of the government and she was part of a secret sect. Um, but no, but now, after all of these adventures, like, Eric, like, Gwyneth considers Erickson a friend at this point. Like, now she has a bit of a weird conception of friendship, <laughs> but I guess if you asked her, she'd be like, yeah, Erickson's my friend. I think that's really interesting, too, in that I think Avis is also not entirely aware of the fact that Erickson and Gwyneth are, like, friends. Mm -hmm. I I think because of how your relationship has sort of developed, Avis hasn't seen a lot of that. Mm -mm. And I think that if Avis did know, there would be some conflict over that. I I think that we have not seen the last of... 
Maybe it's better that Avis and Gwyneth are never in the same place. Yeah, yeah, it's probably good. Ron just wants to be everyone's friend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and good. his friends are not on board with that. Okay. He's the dog in a group of cats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a really good description. <laughs> that is a good description. Uh, John Erickson, dog in a group of cats. All right, well... Um, the big things are this group of four reluctantly grouped together monster hunters showed up in Rails End, fought a cult called the Healing Cavern Tabernacle, ended up winning, but there was a lot of shenanigans in between. And a lot of people died. <laughs> and a uh-huh. lot of people died. But they were mostly bad people. Mostly. Uh-huh. <laughs> mostly bad. All right. 